You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And guys, recently there was a Friday where there were a lot of big rock album releases, at least in our world, we would consider them quite big. Oh, who am I kidding? There was a metallic album in there in everybody's rock world. It was a big day. So we had new music from uh, Metallica with SNM 2. We had from Ashes to New with a new one called Panic. Power Man 5000 with the Noble Rot, as well as Seether with, you know what? I'm not going to try to say the title. It's in Latin, and we'll tell you what it means in a little bit. (laughs) You want to say it? Speak Latin to us, Casey. Si vis pacem parabellum. All right. Wow. I did not know that you were so good at speaking Latin. I'm not, but I watched enough videos to to hear the translation. (laughs) Oh, okay. Do you know what it means? What does it mean? It means if you want peace, prepare for war. Ah, Quite an appropriate title, too. Yes. So now the itch will be branching out and so we'll start producing some episodes in Latin. And (laughs) I've been looking for a way to expand the audience. I think we found it now. And so Casey will be the single host of them. (laughs) It'll be nothing but Lacuna Coil albums. It was... So those four albums all came out at the same the same day. We put ourselves out a little Twitter poll to see um, what people were most excited about. And do you guys know which one of those four albums won that poll? I would assume Seether. You assumed correctly. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when we were doing the radio show, it's it's days like that that I used to love where we had tons of music coming out. It always de- you know, we debut it f- four weeks in a row. We'd you know drop one song here and you know of each album, but yeah, it's been so. I, I've really missed that aspect of of doing the radio show. But the one thing I, I do not miss is having to edit albums like the Seether one. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> this album was probably my favorite of the four. Actually, not probably. It definitely is my favorite of the four albums that came out that day. But it is also the one that I fear editing when we go back to the studio because there's so many great songs, but there's so many curse words too. And there's, uh, there's some songs that I would not even bother with it, but there are definitely ones that I would, I would try to uh, get into and, and, and edit them. Yeah. There are two songs in particular that I would love to play and edit, but it would sound (laughs) terrible if we did it. (laughs) I want to note Casey that from from the pirate episode when you when you mentioned when you guys mentioned that see had come out and it was it was very profane uh, i specifically put the track bag yes. on the pirate episodes playlist <laughs> just, just for you yeah just so we don't have to put it in this one <laughs> yeah so we don't have to put it in this one we'll we'll find some other ones for this week's playlist what's funny about that is that actually is their most recent single right and like the chorus of that is literally him screaming bag, motherfucker, bag. And it's just like it's pretty much the whole song. And it was. Yeah. So that's their most recent single off the album. <laughs> just hilarious. But I wouldn't bother trying to edit that, to be honest. Nope. <laughs> Somebody else will do have to do it for us. But if anybody is listening and wondering why we always seem hung up on editing and on profanity, it's not because it bothers us per se, but it's because we're traumatized from all the years of having to create these things and the work that was put into this, especially before streaming became a thing and where we were operating out of our own music collections. You know, we had a lot of work to do if we wanted to play some of our favorite stuff. And so that's the framework we're operating from. And so it sounds probably weird to most people. Like, why do they talk about how many F words are in there? Well, because that's everyone that's in there is one that we had to get rid of if we wanted to play it on the air. <laughs> Yeah, we have to put in the work. <laughs> well, it bothers me because I hate censorship. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that I have to edit an award just because some other people don't want their kids to hear it. Well, you know what? My kids hear it all the time. Guess what? They're fine. So <laughs> there's that too. Well, and then there's also certain songs where it's like, okay, you could have come up with some other lyrics instead of just saying motherfucker over and over yeah, and over. I- I'll agree with that. Like, I, I do agree that. <laughs> You know, and, and people say that all the time. Well, you curse a lot. That means you just have a limited vocabulary. No, it just means I really like those words. 
Uh, <laughs> he's he's uh huh from Little Rascals. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I could say other words, but I really like these ones. Exactly. <laughs> they get my point across. They make people take heed and notice what I am talking about. <laughs> and so what we're talking about this week is the new Seether album. And we'll get right into it because... I have a lot to talk about with this album. I'll be quite honest. Like one of the things that right off the bat is that I absolutely love Sean Morgan when he is angry about stuff. Mm. Yep. And this is probably one of the angriest albums that, <laughs> that he's ever put out. Yeah. And it, it made me wonder when this album was produced. Cause like if it was produced like pre COVID, it makes me kind of wonder if <laughs> some of the anger with everything going on in the world kind of thing. I mean, well, they're from South Africa, so they're not angry about exactly the same things that we would be angry about. But <laughs> Right. But that said, this and probably most of the other albums that we'll talk about were recorded before COVID became a huge thing. And so sometimes you'll find some really interesting coincidences. The things that they're talking about sound like they're from literally right now. Right. And that's actually, I'm kind of, kind of glad that you brought that up because um, one of the notes that I have on their first single, Dangerous, for one, I think that's the best song on the album. But the other thing is, too, is that I don't think that there is a better song that can summarize how 2020 has gone on so far, or at least how I feel 2020 has been. Like just the the chorus, for instance, it's so dangerous, all this blamelessness. I feel lost in all, all the good I've known. It's so dangerous, all the shamelessness. I feel like I'm watching the tumor grow. And it's just I literally feel like that summarizes this whole entire year, not only with everything that's gone on, but just with how people are acting towards each other right dangerous also includes i'm gonna say despite all the the words that we had to edit out in some of the other tracks probably what i feel like is the the most not violent but the most like literally almost literally venomous line in this whole album which is i hope you choke on hate and stomach bile (laughs) that is this was the first or second track i heard off of this album and i was like okay i can tell that this man has some things to get off his chest right now. And he has not mincing words. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly the first time I've heard the word stomach bile used in a song before. I have to agree. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> Cause I know that that, you know, I've, I've, I've thought that to people I'm like, oh, I just, I hope you choke, <laughs> but I, I never thought to say, I hope you choke on your stomach bile. That's just, that's just even worse <laughs> to be honest. Like, cause everybody knows what that feels like when you have the acid reflux. Oh, it's painful. It's going to burn yeah. coming up and going down. Exactly. Ah. Sean Morgan <laughs> wishing the worst on 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 people here, <laughs> and tastes terrible, and it and it tastes terrible. <laughs> <laughs> One of the least pleasant elements of you know day to day human existence is when that happens. So, dang, damn you, stomach bile. <laughs> so he he's definitely angry. I think you're right, and and dangerous really is probably one of the best tracks on there. I think the note that I took for that song was that you could actually kind of feel like the anxiety in the music uh, behind the chorus, particularly. So I don't know, that might not make sense just to hear somebody say it, but, you know, go back and listen to that track. And I think hopefully people would understand what I'm saying there. Did either of you watch the YouTube video on that as well? No, no. And I'm glad that you guys are, that you were doing that for me because I'm glad somebody did. Well, there's, there's two tracks, at least two dangerous and, beg uh, interestingly enough that have these weird like cartoon it's almost like a adult swim anime type cartoon and it's both of them are just really brutal in many different ways it, it doesn't seem like it would be an appropriate visual style for those songs yeah do you feel like it works it's interesting to say the least i feel like i'd be thrown off I mean, it kind of worked for Beg, sort of, but because it, it tells a story of, I don't think the song itself tells a story, but the video is like this guy that kidnaps a, a girl and then kind of tortures them and then they get free and then they torture the kidnapper at the end. So it's, it's really weird. Hmm. I, actually, I do. I take that back. I did watch the See They're Dangerous music video. The first time I watched it, was with my kids and it kind of freaked them out. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> Lesson learned. Because it's kind of like a, a take on Red Little Red Riding Hood. Yes, yes. No, oh, okay. 
but instead like it's just it's a little bit more sinister and yeah and then somehow little red riding hood turns into like a vampire at the end what yeah spoilers <laughs> casey <laughs> wait does that mean you get like a vampire wolf battle yep because she kills okay, the wolf. Okay. oh more spoilers dang I, now i don't even need to watch the battle okay well one less thing i gotta do this week i suppose <laughs> I'm pretty sure my kids watched this video with me right before bed because I just wanted to hear the song. Right I heard there was a new song. Bed. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was not You're a good night, kids. to say the least. <laughs> I just, I just didn't realize that it was going to be as uh, violent as it was. To be honest, <laughs> why did she bite the neck of the wolf, Daddy? Why did Grandma turn into a wolf? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Lesson learned, kids. Yeah. Censorship may be bad, but you still probably want to pre-watch the music videos. <laughs> Why did all the ketchup come out of its neck? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, boy. So these guys are, are feeling some kind of some kind of feelings on this album. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've heard him this angry since he broke up with Amy Lee. <laughs> that you know what? You guys are way more familiar with Seether's catalog than I am. To me the relationship with Amy Lee, despite the fact that it was a long time ago is one yep. of still one of the things that most defines this band for me. And the fact that, that Amy Lee, if I remember correctly, wrote call me when you're sober about Sean Morgan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was my, that was my knowledge of Sean Morgan. I'm like, Oh, you're the guy who didn't do right by Amy Lee. Okay. <laughs> well. well, I believe he actually <laughs> started it because the album that actually got me in to see there was the album called finding beauty in negative spaces. And the first release off that album was a song called Fake It. And that song is about Amy Lee. Ouch. And so, uh, yeah, they kind of started like this musical duel, but it just wasn't as cool as like, you know, other musical duels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In more recent years, it's become super popular for people to write songs about their exes and make and sell bazillions of records for doing it. Taylor Swift made a career out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it was it, that was the album that got me into Seether because the first album that they came out, Disclaimer, I was a fan of it. But we had mentioned it in one of the previous podcasts that uh, a couple of the songs from that album were on Madden 2003. And we played that game so much that I started hating those songs because mm. it's like you just hear them over and over and over again. It was it was not necessarily me playing the game either. It was it was everybody in our dorm room playing the game. <laughs> And it was just it was just constant just hearing uh, fine again. Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. Even just right now, hearing you say the name of that song, it just made me upset. Like, <laughs> like I don't even, even want to hear like, the name fine again. Yeah, because it was not it was not just in the game. It was also it was played on the radio everywhere. It was a huge right. song, which I, I get. It was one of their biggest singles. But like. Oh, it was just I was done. I was because, you know, they had some really good singles off that out off their first album with Driven Under and Gasoline. And but all I heard was just fine again, 40 million times. <laughs> I'll give you credit. I think I, I haven't sat through and listened start to finish through every Seether album. But I will say that Finding Beauty in Negative Spaces was cool for one very specific reason. And that is Careless Whisper. Because anytime somebody hears Careless Whisper, that's fantastic to me. I'm excited about that. And there's the album after that in 2011. The for me, my favorite title of any Seether album, "Holding On to Strings Better Left to Fray." I thought that was very poetic. And then it led off with the country song. Oh which, yeah, yeah, that was a good album. That was the big, the first big single off of that one. And I, I remember going to the studio and you guys wanting to play that one. And I was like, I was skeptical. We'll put it. I was like, first <laughs> off, not the biggest Seether fan, careless whisper, you know, notwithstanding second off country song though. Like it. And then I heard it and I was like, you know what? That's kind of amazing. Actually, <laughs> that might be my favorite track that they've done. It, that, that song won like a war or like topped like billboard charts and stuff. That was a, a big one. Yeah. yeah they've, they've, they've had pretty big singles off of every single album. Every time this band has an album come out, at least recently, uh, the itch has always been very high on on it. And you know, starting back in 
with Isolate Medicate. That was actually our number one album of the year in 2014. And, and Aaron, you might be disappointed to know that it beat out La Gorgola that year. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll allow it. La Gorgola wasn't my favorite Chevelle album, as much as I do love when, a, when Chevelle releases any album. But and then Poison the Parish in 2017 was number five on our list. And I have a feeling that this this album, the CV Betchum Barabellum, <laughs> will be uh, pretty high on our list as well for 2020. At least I know it's pretty high on my list. It's one of the few albums that came out this year that I just can't stop listening to. Right. And, you know, we talk about a lot about how albums are organized. And I think that is what makes this album so good is that for one, it starts off with a track called Dead and Done. And this kind of sets the tone for how angry he is. <laughs> like, it just kind of sets the anger that he has. And he just sits there screaming. And it's one of the best songs. But like, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't. We've kind of talked about this is the one that I may when we go back to the studio, I may actually consider editing it because I think the song is worth it. It's such a great song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, F-bombs in this song as well. Yep, <laughs> but it, it's it just sets a tone because he, he just feels like he's angry at the world. Yeah. One of the notes I put for this song was that it was actually almost too angry for me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Angst. Angst uh, is not my favorite emotion in music these days. It's there's a place for it. And sometimes it can be a lot of fun. But yeah, he definitely he hits that mark. And I, I will say that I think Dead and Done is one of the best tracks on the album and definitely was a good lead off. Kind of like what you were saying, the riff in that in that track is one of the best things they have on the album. And then I didn't realize until after I'd heard it, because when I'm I, listening to that track, I was like, man, there's some good harmonies in here. It kind of reminds me of like like the, the heavier side of a perfect circle and come to find out that the perfect circle is one of the bands that Sean Morgan was listening to a lot of whenever they were making that that album. And so I think that's a good band to have as an influence personally. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that their most perfect circles, most recent album was a bit goofy, but yeah, their first two albums were some of my favorites of all time, especially uh, the 13th step is literally one of my top yeah. 10 albums of all time. Yeah, that's, that's some really good stuff. Yeah. You can definitely tell that there was a lot of influence from a perfect circle just because, you know, like there's a lot of heavy tracks, but there's also a lot of melodic tracks and just a lot of meaning behind the lyrics of most of these songs. And I thought, that, uh, you know, it's something that nowadays you just feel that like artists just write lyrics just to get the songs done. They don't really put emotion behind it. Some some do. I mean, obviously a lot do. But I feel that that's one thing that's kind of been missing this year for at least the albums that I've I've been trying to get into. But this one, not only could you sense his emotion, but he, you can hear it. He screams. <laughs> he gets into it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the things you asked earlier, like before we started i don't think i don't think you said what do you have against seether but something like why like why 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 don't you listen to seether and i think that most of the time the answer is because i i still do feel like their brand of rock is a fairly generic one but i will say also that they're i think that sean morgan's voice is probably the best thing that they have going for them because i think he's a very compelling vocalist and there are some parts on the album where i'm not sure if it's actually him harmonizing with Corey Lowry, their guitarist and backing vocalist, or if it's just them layering Sean's vocals over each other. But either way, some of the the melodies and harmonies that they come up with in this album are really good stuff. And they're just enjoyable to listen to. Like he has a way of drawing you in. It's funny you mentioned the like the style of music because there's there's four listings on Wikipedia and some of them fit and one one of them in particular I don't think does, but you have the one that I think most fits, which is post grunge. Then you have alternative metal, hard rock and new metal, which I don't know that they necessarily are new metal per se, but post grunge, I think <laughs> more accurately describes the, the band. <laughs> new metal tended to tends to have a little bit more of a, a little bit of like a hip hop influence to it, which I don't think either pretty much ever has. No. So yeah, that was a little bit weird, but post grunge I think is spot on if you're getting into those. I know Dan's not a big fan of the, like the subcategories of rock, but if you're getting into them, I think <laughs> that's a an accurate one for yeah. them. 
Yeah, I don't like to get into that either, but I just thought that, that was kind of a, a weird grouping of of. <laughs> I, well, it literally does describe their sound. I mean, see, there is a band that's very clearly influenced by like Nirvana, and right. I like I, I kind of have like a short list in my head of bands that I feel like just in some way or another like carry the torch. I think right. from them, and I think my my interpretation of Seether has been that they are like. Seether is like I think what Nirvana would have been if they enjoyed commercial success rather than Kurt Cobain like notoriously having problems with their commercial success. <laughs> right. And in a lot of their songs he just sounds like an angrier version of Dave Grohl. Yeah, that too. I think I, I think Seether <laughs> is, is is Nirvana that openly uh accepts the radio friendliness. Well, this band has become one of my favorite bands over time. I think it also helps that I've seen them live several times and every single time they just put on one hell of a show. I mean, I've never gone to a see their concert and been, and been disappointed with their performance. They always put on a great show. They always rock out and they they just have great stage presence too. Yeah. I was going to say that's the one, that's the one thing when I heard this album, when it first came out, it made me sad that we won't be seeing them anytime soon because I really would want to see them perform this album. Yeah. And they, they're a, a very hardworking band in the sense that they're constantly touring. I know that, you know, I think that's one reason why we've seen them live so many times. Cause as soon as an album comes out, they're probably touring, you know, two years consistently right after that album's released. Yeah. There's been times where we've, we've caught them on the beginning half of their tour and then the ending half of their tour. <laughs> and and they're one of the few bands that's this popular that we've been able to see at several t- types of venues. Like you get to see them at the big venue that holds like 13,000 people you get to see at the, the medium sized venue that holds like 3000. And then we've even seen them at the smaller venues that holds like maybe a couple hundred. Uh, and, and I think that's one thing that I really like about this band. Cause you know, the smaller venues, you get to be a little bit more intimate with the band and, and it, it, it's just a, a, just a different setting but they like they don't ever change how they go about playing their shows. It's always kind of the same type of show, regardless if they're playing a large venue or a small venue. You guys have both noted there that you really enjoy seeing them live. Would you say that any of those particular experiences stood out over the other ones? Like, did you have a preference like on the, you know, the style or venue size or one of the particular shows that really that really felt extra special? I thought Pops stood out more simply because it was the smallest venue, and I think that was when they became a three-piece band at, at that particular point in time. So they were already they were already known and pretty big at that point. Then, yes, right, and mm-hmm. it just I don't remember exactly. It was like a winter show. And it was it sold out pretty quickly. I know that, but we ended up getting tickets fairly early. Um, and I do I do remember that show probably being one of my favorite experiences because, like like you said, it was a smaller venue. It was packed to the house. Like it was so packed in that place. And every time Pops is packed, it just gets so freaking hot in that venue. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I like seeing bands at different venues just to see. I just ha- I, I kind of have different experiences. Like when it's at the large venue, it's more of like a festival type of thing where you're just, you know, there to kind of enjoy your company and, and have like good time. But I enjoy more so like the like the medium sized venue, like the pageant, for instance, because for one, I'm lazy. I like to sit in the chair um, <laughs> and they have really comfortable seating arrangements and I can still see the band no matter where I'm sitting at the venue. And it's, it always has great sound at the pageant. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I prefer seeing any band there. If there's going to be a concert there over any other place, that's where I want to see it. Cause it's, it's loud. It's close to booze. It's close to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to miss a show or part of the show trying to get to the bathroom uh, or trying to wait in line for, you know, a beer or something like that. Right. I prefer the smaller or medium sized uh, venues simply because then you only really see two or three bands tops. And then yeah. the, the main band that you want to see is the one that plays the longest for the most part. I mean, if I had a choice, you know, I would love to see any band at a small venue to where, you know, I might actually have the chance to meet them or hang out with them. You know, I have some, some of my best concert memories are by far at the smallest venues, but you know, I just, I think for a concert experience, I I prefer the medium sized one. Yeah. Like the pageant. I think we've said this before, but RIP Mississippi nights again. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. For anybody who's listening, who is not from St. Louis or familiar with the area, the pageant is, more or less the go-to 
mid-sized concert venue bands of of pretty large levels of fame have come through there when when they're not playing you know like the actual full-on stadiums that's that's the place and then pops is uh a little bit more out of the way it's kind of the how do i put this the dirtier version (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good description i like it pops is the kind of skeezy joint (laughs) more body glitter version yeah. A lot more body glitter going on. Yeah, you have to you have to drive into some places where you're you're just not quite sure about it. But they have they've had a lot of also really good acts come through over the years. They're they're very well known as well in the area. I will say an underrated venue is uh, the Duck Room at Blueberry Hill. Yeah, that was a lot Definitely. of fun. And not only that, down the street from the pageant, so you could see shows in both places in the same night if you really wanted to. <laughs> that is very true. The Duck Room is a really good one. Highly recommend uh, seeing stuff there if you get the chance. But back to the album. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of one thing I mentioned earlier, I think that the way that this album is laid out is one of the reasons why I absolutely love it because, you know, there's there's kind of a heavy song with Dead and Gone. The second song, Bruised and Bloodied, is, is kind of another heavy song. And then you kind of have like a little bit more of a melodic song with Wasteland. And then it gets right back into it with with another kind of heavier song with Dangerous. So that's one thing I absolutely loved is that it's it's a lot of mix. It's, it's not like they stuck all the heavy songs at the beginning and then just had the, the soft melodic uh, songs towards the end. Um, I, I really liked how it was, it was organized. You know, like any smart band, they kind of paced out the ballads, the more the slower songs like Liar is a slower one. And it's midway through the album. And then Drift Away is also kind of ballady, and it, it's near the very end. And so I think there's wisdom in doing it that way. For me, something that was interesting, I'll be honest, this is another one of the albums. I feel like we've said this about, a, I've said this about a few of them, that it kind of felt repetitive after a while to me as I went through it. But even with that in mind, some of my favorite tracks on the album were spread throughout. It didn't feel entirely top heavy like some of the other albums we've mentioned and I always appreciate when a band is able to spread, you know, the peak tracks from an album throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Two of my favorite songs on the album actually were the, the two last tracks, track 12 pride before the fall and uh, track 13 written in stone. Pride before the fall is the one I was, I was talking about there. That's probably a top three or so for me. And it's track 12 on the album. So it's got a lot of energy and it's I, I like I like when this band has energy. That one would be a good one, uh, I think, live. So one of the things that I picked up on, which I kind of think is hilarious, because obviously majority of the album, we get the, that he's angry either at the world or at someone because like with Can't Go Wrong, that's definitely an anger song directed at somebody. <laughs> but I also picked up on a couple of other different themes throughout this album, which I thought was kind of hilarious. I don't know if you guys realize it, but there's a couple different songs that reference weather. Yeah, do go on. So, yeah, there, because there's a line in Dangerous, you know, said only a fool would pretend to blame it on the weather. And then there's a line in Liar where uh, he basically states there's a break in the weather, but I'm never going to fade away. <laughs> so I just started laughing. Yeah. I was like, man, was he under the weather? Like, I don't know. <laughs> he just fearful <laughs> of weather because there's so much going on in 2020. Like, I don't know. Uh, but the <laughs> other thing is there's there's another theme, too, uh, of uh, sand. So there's there's a song called Buried in the Sand, where obviously he's talking about Buried in the Sand, which actually I wanted to kind of touch back on that in just a second. But uh, and then the the following song, Let It Go, has more sand references. And I actually think it also had more weather references as well. <laughs> I love whenever you can pick out like lyrical themes when that's like, like, OK, this is clearly what was on this person's mind when they were writing these songs. Yeah, because, you know, the the line and let it go is but i'm drowning in the quicksand and then the song like literally right before it is called buried in the sand uh, which actually buried in the sand is one of my favorite songs on the album and the reason why is because i could tell that he kind of wrote it about like almost seems like it's about a relationship but one of the things that i absolutely loved i felt like i related related to it is it's 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 really how I feel right now about my job. <laughs> and it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and so like, I don't know. I just kind of, I, I really related to this song. Cause it's like, I think these chains are too taut. They're cutting my rib cage. And if I give this more thought, I think I've gone astray. When you throw my feelings in the fire, I can't keep this down. I feel like I won't be afraid when I'm buried in the sand. And so like, 
I've always been one, especially at my job, to speak up, and I, I'm never one to keep my my feelings of how I feel the state of our our, our job is. But I, I really related to that song a lot, and it's it's probably one of why it's one of my favorites on the on the whole album. That one spoke to you in this yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure he wrote it for something completely different because I highly doubt he's working a nine to five job. <laughs> I mean, hey, COVID has had an effect on all of us, so <laughs> you never know. <laughs> See, I was going to say I like that song because I thought it had a really cool bass line. It's kind of this, you kind of, or you have a kind of standard beat going on. And then you have this almost, the word I wrote was lazy, but I don't mean it in a bad way. I think, it, again, it's one of those things. I think if you listen to the track, you should understand what I'm saying. It kind of just follows the beat. And uh, so, and that was a little bit of a different sound than most of the other tracks on there. And so I, I kind of enjoyed that one. I also had a thought in there. Next time you listen to the, to it, picture this and then let me know what you think that buried in the sand would have been cool if it had like that uh middle eastern like i don't know if it was a sitar or what it was like that bra. you hear uh, <laughs> the thing you hear in like uh like metallica's wherever i may roam kind yeah. of thing yeah. i think that there would be a place for that in this track and it would make it awesome so yeah, yeah. i could see I would that say in raw like uh do you call my name or whatever Oh yeah, some raw. <laughs> he name drops raw. I think every week a new band is name dropped for the first time on the show. So, congratulations, raw. Do you call my name? Is going to be on the playlist for this week, <laughs> and that'll probably be the last time they're ever dropped. It could be the last time they're ever dropped, unless we have an episode where we talk about the sun and mythological gods and what or one hit wonders or one. Ooh, which we will at some point. I'm all about talking about one hit wonders, but <laughs> that's a fun topic. Tying in to what Dan was just saying about themes that seem to to come up during this album, and then also the fact that we mentioned Ra and gods made me think about this. I picked up on a number of like spiritual and like religious kind of terminology and references throughout this, and I didn't know if that was a thing that is kind of par for the course amongst either albums or not. But like at different points in the album, he talks about prayer. He talks about purgatory. This idea, uh, he says something about burning in the fire at some point. And then I can't remember, it might be in Pride Before the Fall, which Pride Before the Fall is a quote directly from the book of Proverbs. He Somewhere in that or another track near it, he mentions, the he says something about being ugly as sin. I just thought that was very interesting that this particular terminology kept popping up. And so I, I kind of answered my own question because when I went back and looked at their, term, their discography, right. I found a few more things like that, like Isolate and Medicate uh, has a track called Nobody Praying For Me. And poison the parish. I don't know if you guys know what a parish is, but it's basically like the jurisdiction of like a particular church. Yeah, and and they have a song called "Sell Sell My Soul" on that album. And yeah, there's there's I, I agree. There's a lot of uh, and stoke the fire. I think is uh, is I think there's also some references there. So it sounds like Morgan definitely has like some of these like spiritual things on the mind as you hear them kind of pop up here and there in different lyrics throughout their albums. And I haven't heard enough to, to like like really have sat and analyzed the context or like what he's saying per se, but it's interesting to me that they pop up. Yeah, I don't know much ab- about uh, that stuff, so I can't really talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kind of looking, just kind of looking at the the vast majority of their stuff. You could kind, I think you could kind of loosely tie tie all that in. Yeah. So Dan Dan heard heard weather and sand and i was and i was hearing random stuff about purgatory and what and i was like okay that's interesting <laughs> karma and yeah. effect karma and effect that's a that's i mean karma is a is a, a sort of a i guess you call it a spiritual concept yeah. so yeah the man is thinking about some stuff and feeling some stuff speaking of feeling some stuff one of my favorite tracks on the album is track eight uh failure yeah that's a really good track so why why did you particularly like that song it just the way he sings the lyrics that you can just feel like the emotion of the song really. Mm. I think the, the, some of the guitar lines really stand out in in this uh, album that they're just very unique. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's one reason why I really like failure too. Cause it's just a, it seems like it's a simple guitar line, but it's, it's just very memorable. Right. I know, I, and I didn't necessarily catch on to this in the first in the in the in the first listen I gave it. Maybe on further listens, I'll give. Maybe it'll stand out to me more. But Sean Morgan noted in the making of this album that he was trying to move away from the standard structure of like 
rock or pop songs so that the whole like verse like a pre-chorus and a chorus verse that repetition and uh you know i i like when people do that because it makes things less boring and i think that that kind of thing is the kind of thing that does make seether stand out among a lot of bands that have a similar general sound because i'm not going to say that this is a band that has a terribly original sound but i will say that they're a band that does that sound really well and so i feel like there's something to be said for that right and that's what i was kind of gonna point out is that pretty much all of the seether albums they haven't really deviated from their sound over the years but yet they just keep churning out really good stuff they've got staying power you got to give them that and that's that's tough to that's tough to come by you got to think disclaimer came out in 2002 right and this is their seventh studio album i think eighth actually oh you're right and so yeah not only do they have some staying power but they continue to release great albums like i said before you know the last Three have all been on our, our, at least in our top 10. I know that this is going to, well, at least I'm going to be pushing for this to be in the top 10. Yeah. If, if anything, this will probably be top three if I had to guess. Ooh, he's putting it all the way up there, right? <laughs> right would, from the start. That's, I would probably have to agree with that. I like I, one of the things that, that we always use to determine how good an album is, is like whether or not we can play or we would consider playing every single song on the album. Now, despite some of the curse words in some of the songs, there's no doubt that there are, there's not one song I wouldn't want to play off this album on the radio show. Right. I was going to say, if if you were to ask me what songs that I liked off the album, the better question would be to say, what songs did I not like off the album? Which songs (laughs) did you not like off the album? Then I'm curious. The only ones, and it's not that I didn't like them, it's, again, the fact that there was too many cuss words for us to edit. (laughs) (laughs) There would be track one, uh, Dead and Done, and uh, track ten, Beg. I would still try to find a way to edit Dead and Done. I I probably, just because of the repetitiveness of Beg, I don't think that I would worry about that one, but... Well, it just would would sound weird uh, cutting all that out. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I, I agree with that. Like the only song that I, I wasn't a huge fan of was a song called Drift Away, uh, number 11. And the only reason why is because that to me just seemed like the prototypical Seether song that you could find on any other albums. Yeah. <laughs> like it reminded you know, me so much of like Fine Again and just their just their typical sound. I mean, it's a good song, but it's just one of the songs that I just was like, eh, this is just kind of your your normal sounding Seether song. You know, um, on one of the earliest episodes of this show, we talked about Chevelle's Venus era, and that was one of the complaints that I had against that album. And it's hard to describe entirely, but there were a number of tracks on there where I just felt like this is a standard Chevelle song. Like there's nothing <laughs> special about it. It just takes like elements of what makes some Chevelle songs really good. And it just kind of lays them in there. So it's it's like it's the template for a Chevelle song without what some of them felt like that without necessarily being a particularly great track. And so it kind of sounds like that's what you're saying about for this Seether song. And so I totally get what you're, what you're saying if that's what you mean. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's the paint by numbers version of if you were putting together a Seether track, this is what it would sound like. Whereas the better, the better ones are going to be the ones that take that template and then do something interesting to make it a little bit different. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a bad song by any means, but it's just one of those songs that, like, if you continue to hear more songs like that, it would be just kind of a meh album. But yeah. they didn't do that, obviously. And if we're if we're poking holes in one song out of thirteen, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I I got one, and I don't know if it's a it's a hole poke necessarily, but again, it's one of those next time you listen to it, tell me if you think I'm right kind of things, uh, wasteland. Again, it was one of those where his his voice or the vocals stood out to me. But I also, as I listened to it, I kept feeling like Flyleaf could sing that song. Yeah, I could see that. Musically, it definitely carried a very similar vibe. Obviously, Lacey's voice was very different than Sean Morgan's, but that's not really the part I'm talking about. Yeah. it. You know, it's funny because like, there's been so many songs that have referenced Teenage Wasteland. Mm-hmm. And so... Every time I hear that, you know, you're always going to think of the most popular song that that referenced that particular lyric. And so, like, I was like, oh, it's Bob O'Reilly. Oh, wait, no. 
<laughs> it's not as good as Bob O'Reilly. It's still a damn good song, but it's definitely no Bob O'Reilly. Would you would you sign off on see they're covering Bob O'Reilly if they said they wanted to? Oh yeah. Okay, that's not as long as, as, long as they did it angrily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain songs that I feel like are are uncoverable, and there are also certain bands that I don't feel like are. Uh, if I'm being a little snooty, I don't feel like are worthy of covering big songs. <laughs> I just didn't know where Seether and Bob O'Reilly stood on that spectrum. <laughs> I think they can pull it off. I don't think that the Who is one of those bands that that you shouldn't cover. Yeah, the only yeah. band I think that about is Led Zeppelin, and that's just because. Robert Plant has such a unique voice. Now, I will say that I loved when I heard Heart cover it live, but that's because right. Ann Wilson's got an incredible voice, just like Robert Plant used to, yeah. and she can handle that. But most of the time, like especially like when you go to karaoke and people try to do some Led Zeppelin in karaoke, I'm just like, oh my god, no, just stop, please, dear right. God. You have not reached the threshold to be able to do this. <laughs> no, not many people have. <laughs> not many people have. Well, and to even, I mean. Bob O'Reilly, I think they could pull off, but then if they tried to do like, say, Magic Bus or yeah. or uh, Happy Jack or something, I don't think they could pull that off. Dude, to- <laughs> they could totally handle Boris the Spider, though. <laughs> <laughs> Boris the Spider, like it's just totally crazy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you throw it motherfuckers just for good measure. Yes, exactly. Yes. Just for for reference here, Sean Morgan's origins in rock he started out as part of a tribute band that covered songs by tom petty and creed among others <laughs> so that's really funny because they ended up on the the same record company as creed yep they ended up on wind up that's yep. very true i always the first thing that i appreciated about seether was the fact that they named themselves after a veruca salt song and <laughs> and i and to this day a sucker for veruca salt and so uh when I first heard that there was a band called that, I was like, okay, I see you. That's not, that's not a bad start right there. And I'm pretty sure that somewhere down the line, they did cover that track as well. Didn't they? I am not positive. I'm not, I'm not positive sure on that. that, but they, uh, they originally actually were named Sauron gas. They were not named Seether when they were first formed. Yep. Um, but apparently when they signed to wind up records, cause I'm pretty sure wind up is try to keep themselves in a positive light. And so upon signing to the label, they were told they needed to change the lane due to its similarity to Sarin Gas. And they switched to calling themselves Seether after the Veruca Salt song. You were correct. Hmm. So so they they did cover the song that they were named after uh, on their Greatest Hits album. Because, yes, they do have a Greatest Hits. I'm, yep. I got to listen to this now. Their Greatest Hits. Uh, I want you to just look up the cover of it, actually. It's the dog taking a shit, isn't it? Yep. Yep, it is. Sure enough. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying about themselves with that, but uh, that's what it is. <laughs> I will say that because one of the greatest hits come out 2013. It drives me nuts when when bands release the greatest hits after like four or five albums. Like, I get it. You probably have enough songs to put. And but we said this on the show one time because it was seven dust that came out with the greatest hits. <laughs> and we we're like, because uh, I, I don't remember what it was called, but it, it was, was like, volume one of yeah. something. It says volume one or best and of or something like that. And we're yes. like, oh, and there's never going to be a volume two, which <laughs> was fairly accurate. Same with Corn. I mean, and in fairness, Corn is a massive band, and Seven Dust has kept kicking long enough that there will be another volume of their greatest hits. It just they won't be, you know, hits as much as some of those earlier tracks were in that sense. Well, and Corn released the greatest hits in order to get out of a record deal, but. Right. It just it just really bothers me. Hilarious practice. Yes, <laughs> it just really bothers me when when they, I don't know, when they're still kicking it and they're like, oh no, we need to put out a greatest hits. No, you're not done yet. You're still making albums, like and right. good albums. So, and with a band like with a band like Seether, a, a greatest hits ten years into their career is basically just a collection of all of the singles that have been released from their four or maybe five albums they've had. So it's not even just like truly like the best of the best. It's just like, hey, we had enough tracks to put this onto a onto a best of collection. So I got a question for you then, because now that we're talking about greatest hits, this kind of reminds us and actually goes along with with what we we're just talking about. But so you think in the age of digital music, now everybody has access to those single songs. Do you think that greatest hits are still going to be a thing like that? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think they will. Not. I don't uh, think it would have uh, the hmm. same impact. 
but I think they'll still do it just to try to squeeze money out of people that didn't buy their album kind of thing. Like, Oh, it's the greatest hits. I can buy it. I, th- I think that that actual physical album sales and whatnot are still popular enough and bands are still on contracts. Enough bands are still on contracts with big labels that there's probably still a future for greatest hits for a while. Well, to be, I don't exactly, I think I read this on billboard, but so this past week, and this is not a joke, this past week was the first year since 1980, or first week since 1980, in which vinyl uh, surpassed CD releases or CD album sales. Dang. So, way to go, hipsters. You won. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really, really that, good tip. I'm glad you read that this week. I, yeah, I was, I was blown away. I'm sorry, because, like, you know, I'm, I'm still one of them that's holding out and still buying CDs, but, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, like because you know it's become a, a huge thing to collect vinyls. They're right. worth a lot of money nowadays, and especially because you know you got the big artwork uh, that a lot of people like putting on their their walls and stuff and displaying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it it's so popular that it's now past CD sales, and I think also you you probably have an easier time trying to find vinyl albums as you than you would trying to buy a damn CD nowadays. Right, I was going to say you can't even really buy them in stores anymore because there's no sections. Nope, unless you want to go to the main, the big chain stores, which or one the of them edits. <laughs> yeah, or one of them edits their music, and the other one just has like just a very, very skin uh, skim selection. Right. See, this is this is how old school and Dan is that he won't buy the edited version because he doesn't believe in censorship, but then we'll we'll have to edit it. So he won't even take the easy road and buy the censored version already. (laughs) So he doesn't have to do the work. (laughs) I will say that there are a couple albums that I did buy the edited version for. In fact, one of them was Pearl Jam's greatest hits because I just, I just felt like, you know, there wasn't that many curse words that it wasn't going to bother me. Um, And I, I I'm not a huge, huge fan of Pearl Jam. I was um, just thinking about that right now. I'm like, how many Pearl Jam songs have profanities in them? Not that many that I can yeah, think of. Exactly. <laughs> it's not so many that there's that many. It's that there's like one. There's like one per song. <laughs> well, and it's not your typical type of edits that that chain was known for. Because back in the day, they just used to beep it, which would would drive people nuts. But for <laughs> the one, the ones that uh, on the Pearl Jam album, at least, like they actually do a good job of like either masking the sound or or taking it out, and so that's. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind it. The beep remains my favorite way to edit a song. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember the time that we that we did that with uh, the Breaking Benjamin track. Yeah, we wanted to play it on air, and you guys you guys let me just put a giant bleep over it instead of trying to like cover it up or scramble it. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a full on boop, and it was. <laughs> It was just so loud. I love the beat because it draws extra attention to what was being said there. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest way to edit. <laughs> so one, one of my favorite stories regarding that type of edit, my cousin, who was three months younger than me, and my son is actually named after him, my cousin Marcus, he passed away when I was 26, but and he was, he was 26 at the time. But I remember when we were, I want to say it was like 13 or 14, he got a copy of Masters of Puppets, and he was so excited because he got it for Christmas. He was so excited that, and I, I was there when he got it. Uh, so it was, you know, we celebrated Christmas together. And so he, we, you know, he, he had said he's so excited. We get up to his room, we start listening to it. And he, one of his favorite songs was Damage Incorporated. And there's a lot of curse words in that song. <laughs> so we get up to his room and we start listening to it. And there's a lot of edits in this. We didn't realize that the, the CD was edited. He had no idea. And the song is really about how you're just not happy with your situation. And so we're, we're and that's how he always felt. And so like when we listened to the song, it just started playing these beeps and he got so mad and like just went off on his parents. And I, I'll never forget that because like we're just listening to it and, he, and like the first beat plays. and He's like, what the hell? And like the second beat plays. He's like, what? This this stuff is edited what and like just got so mad and then started <laughs> screaming at his parents and stuff like they had no idea that it was edited they just bought the album <laughs> it would only be funnier if he screamed and did his his edits of his screaming oh there was there was lots of yeah there was lots of uh, 
cursing that that ensued after he realized it was an edited album that he got for Christmas. <laughs> but that was one of my favorites just because it, like just the surprise on his face and like just his reaction because he was so ex- he went from so like literally from being so excited about having this album being able to listen to his favorite song that you weren't going to hear on the radio or anything especially at the time and then like just finding out that it was edited and just, just sheer disappointment his, yeah just losing a shit over <laughs> it too like <laughs> damn you santa um but no it, it all worked out his parents ended up taking it back and getting the unedited version for him <laughs> oh the story has a happy ending i guess yes it did i have one thing i wanted to throw out there for you guys since we're kind of on the topic of censorship and and big labels and and all that kind of stuff okay because this film's anniversary coincides with the release of this episode this film was released on september 22nd 1995 I think that we owe it to music to give a shout out to the 25th anniversary of Empire Records. Nice. (laughs) So if you want to talk some old school, I'm going to get me some CDs. I'm going to get me some vinyl and sticking it to the man. That's it for you right there. Damn the man. Save the empire. That's right. And yes, we will be celebrating Rex Manning Day. (laughs) (laughs) Rex Manning Day is April 8th. So we just have a Rex Manning episode. Rex Manning episode. Yep, we'll talk about that's a great idea. We'll talk about like <laughs> our favorite like rock related movies. How about that? Yes. Yeah, that's actually not <laughs> a bad idea. Let's say no more, Mono More. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm glad you mentioned that's actually one of my favorite uh musical movies of all time. I, I love a good cult hit and that's one of my favorite ones. So so for sure Agreed. we're having a happy day celebrating that. Last week, we talked about how, you know, we needed some more joy in 2020. And so we were talking about pirate metal. (laughs) This week, we talk about the Empire. (laughs) So by the by, live musical events are still pretty rare right now. Yep. But Skindred has announced a couple. And now they're not here. They're still back home in the UK. But I just want to put that out there um, for anybody who might be listening from across the pond. If you can get yourself to a skin dread show, even in COVID times, I'm going to say, you know, be socially responsible and go do it. <laughs> It'll be worth your while. It'll make your year. They had talked about doing like a drive in concert, which I mean, any way to see skin dread would be awesome. But I think just that idea of, a, you know, seeing a drive in concert just would be really cool. Those are becoming more more how it's going right now. But until live music is more of a thing, as it becomes more of a thing again, we'll keep doing our best to, you know, provide rock music lovers with at least hopefully some amusing commentary and a little bit of insight onto some of these albums and artists. Yeah, thankfully, we're pretty well booked up on ideas till the end of the year, pretty much. We are. There's been a plethora of worthwhile releases that have already come out and that are scheduled to come out in the next couple of months. And so... We'll be uh, talking your respective ears off through the rest of 2020, at least. As we uh, always say, we have a lot to talk about, and I like hearing the sound of my own voice. So, (laughs) (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed our our review of the new Seether album and other fun stuff regarding music and movies and all kinds of stuff that we touched base upon today. Keep tuning in. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Dan. I'm KC. And I'm Aaron. And this has been the Itch Rock Matters. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at Itch Rocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Save the man, damn the empire. Wait a minute. I have it backwards on it. Damn damn the man, save the empire. Yeah, get, if you want to give yeah. a good one, feel free. Okay. <laughs>